Hello and welcome to Bible Marathon. We're all about learning how to read the Bible, about spiritual gifts and giving proper defense and explanation for what we believe as Christians. The goal is to progress with joy in the faith and without further ado, let's get into the word. Hello everyone, I hope you're all doing well and excited about today's discussion and Let's just say a quick prayer before we begin, and then I'll introduce our guests, our guests, and we can go from there. All right. Heavenly Father, King of Glory, we thank you for bringing all of us here together today. As we're about to go into today's discussion, Lord, we pray that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, that we will live here having a better understanding of your nature and be able to defend our faith as well too, and be able to explain well to others about this topic, Lord. And I pray for our, our guests as well too, Lord, that they do not speak of their own accord, Lord, that they are filled with wisdom and knowledge to be able to respond well. And I pray that it will be a glorious time today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Welcome, everyone, once again. Welcome, welcome. I'm really excited about this um, topic because um, I think this is a very important one. Not that other ones are not important, but I feel like this is one that even I have also wondered about, too. And which is basically, if God is good, why is there evil in the world, right? If God is good, why is there evil in the world? And I would like to introduce our guests for today. So we have our guest speaker, Christian. Welcome, Christian. We're very honored to have you here with us today. And we also have Dami as well, too, and also Deborah. So welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome. I hope you're able to turn on your camera if you can. And yeah let's oh by the way also just like some housekeeping rules i know that this is such like a i guess if you want to say hot topic and i'm sure you're going to have questions along the way so if you do have any questions please just send them in the chat so that way we can just keep track of them and then later after our discussion we can then address them so it doesn't interrupt the flow of the conversation but without further ado let's get right into it so haha so like i said earlier before um the topic is if god is good why does evil exist why is there evil in the world right and um before we dive right into like everything i think it's very important for us to at least have a good understanding of what good is and what evil is right so i would like to direct this question to Deborah, and basically the question is just this, um, what is good and, or at least what does it mean for someone to be good? And then the other part of the question is also, what is evil and what does it mean for someone to be evil? So we'll just go from there. So Deborah, please take it away. Okay, good afternoon. Good evening, everybody. I'm so excited to be here today and um, I want to thank Ernest for the opportunity to be um, a guest on today's meeting. And I'll just move straight to the questions. So you spoke about us defining good and evil. If we're talking about God being um, God being good and there being evil in the world, we have to first of all understand the terms that we are talking about and seeing that to the, um, we live in a world where like a lot of, like, a lot of things that you used to think 
are defined this way are no longer defined. It is very, very important that when we have a conversation like this, we define our terms so that anybody that is listening, anybody that is in this conversation can understand what we are saying, because it is possible that they have a, um, a an understanding of what is good or what is evil that it's not entirely with what we are talking about when we talk about good and evil. So I think it's very, very important that we start that way. So I'll just like to go back to scriptures. We are children of God, and there is no better way, there's no better um, place to get our understanding of good and evil from, except from the word of God. So um, I'll not exactly be reading them, but I'll just be making reference to them. So um, in, in um, Eminetics, during one of our eminences session, I'm sure that um, NS has spoken about the law of first mention, where like the first place that a word is used in the Bible um, usually defines how it is henceforth, it is henceforth, I mean, henceforth used in the Bible. So when we talk about good, when we talk about evil, the first place that those two words are used are mentioned is in the book of Genesis. And so we have Genesis 1 4. That was after. Um, um, the earth was without um, form and void. And then God God said, let there be light. And then there was light. And then he saw what he has created and he saw that it was good. And throughout the book of um, Genesis, particularly um, during the creation, we see that um, there are many times where God creates something and then he sees that it is good. He sees that it is good. He sees that it is good. And so our primary definition of good from that is anything that God creates. Because when we look to Genesis, we see that God used good for everything that he created. So he created this, he said it was good. He created that, he said it was good. Like everything, there was nothing that God created that he did not say was good. Then on the end of the sixth day, he also said he looked at everything that he has created and then he saw that it was good. So that shows that everything that God creates is good. That is one definition of good. Then another definition of good is any. Uh oh, it's looking like we are having some internet issue. And I really hope Deborah will be able to join us back. Uh, so I guess while we're just waiting for um, Deborah to join us back, or maybe we can just, I don't know, let's see if we can just for like one minute or so. Because it's really, it's getting really good and I don't want to. Um, jump the gun. Mm, let's see. But while we're waiting, though, um, I would just like to welcome everyone that's just joining us. Um, we're discussing about um, if God is good, why does evil exist, or why is there evil in the world? In the world, right? And you know, if you have any questions along the way while we're discussing please make sure to just um, send them in the chat, in the comment section so that we can keep track of it that way, right? That way we can pick and keep track of it. And also um, for those that are just joining in, um, I had asked a question, uh, since we were talking about if God is good, why does evil exist, right? We, I feel like it's very important for us to understand what good is and what evil is. And that was what Deborah was just um, discussing about earlier. but while we are waiting for Deborah to join us, I don't know if any of the panelists as well would like to also shed more light on that regarding like, you know, definition of good and evil, and then we can just keep it going from there. 
Christian, Dami, would anyone of you like to take a stab at the question? You sound a bit more forward, like maybe you might just want to have to move closer to your mic. I'll just try to connect on my phone. So that's All right. Uh, while we're waiting for Christian to connect to his audio better, um, Dami, I don't know, do you wish like to take a stab at this uh, question? My network went off. I'm really sorry about that. No worries. <laughs> we're glad you're back. Um, I guess you can, yeah, you can please go ahead and just continue. Yeah. Deborah, can you hear us? Yes, yes. Yeah, please go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I remember I was talking about um, okay, anything that God creates is good. And yet, yes, I was also talking about another definition of good is anything that has to do with life. And so Jesus is that ultimate um, ultimate definition of good because everything that has to do with life and godliness is in him. So anything that is associated with life is good. Anything and then um, on the opposite end, anything that is associated with death is bad. Then when we look at the definition of evil too, it's also um, in the book of Genesis that we see it. So the first, the first time that evil was mentioned was actually the fruit of good and evil. So we see that evil is the opposite of good. So just by that, anything that is not um, created by God, anything that is not um, according to the will of God, anything that is that does not bring life, anything that um, according to um, our our uh, um, according to the moral law that God gave us that we know that is wrong is evil. Then we also see um, when God was when um, the Bible was talking about the. Um, in Genesis 6, that he said that um, he saw that the thought of their art were continually evil. So we, we also see from them that evil is not just in the things that we see. It is possible that thoughts can be evil. Like it is not just in the actions. It's not just that um, somebody kills somebody, mother, that is evil. We also see that evil can be manifested in just thoughts because the Bible made, uh, made reference of people have um, thinking evil. So evil is not just an action. It is also the thoughts of anything that the end of it does not produce life or anything that is alignment with God's plan. I hope that I was able to answer that. <laughs> Thank you so much, um, Deborah. Thank you. Um, so I hope at least we at least have an understanding of what good is, what evil is. So I guess my next question to you, like or like a follow-up question would be, so then how then do we like, I guess, how do we know something is good or evil? And I know you've sort of already um touch upon this kind of just like diving a bit more like how do we then distinguish between good and evil just just a slight um follow-up question i don't know if that was clear but you've kind of already talked about it a little touch upon it a little bit but just to dive in a bit more like how do i know that oh this thing is bad oh this thing is good like kind of like that like i guess oh, okay uh or like how do you okay first word of god hello can you hear me yeah i can hear you okay you were asking that how do i know if something is good or it is evil right yeah. so like just to like kind of guide you like so okay so like i said now 
in some places there are certain laws that are acceptable, right? And in so, some countries, do you want to Please go ahead. It seems like there's a bit of a lag. Deborah, can you hear? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. Your voice is breaking. I don't know if it's if it's okay that she turns off her video just so that the bandwidth allows. Oh, okay. Yeah, if she can do that, that may help. All right. Well, Christian, I don't know. Would you like to take a, a stab at this question? Which of the questions? Not the first one or the second one? How do you it's distinguish between good and yeah, evil? How do you distinguish between good and evil? Because I feel like some people might have a different understanding of like, oh, this is good or this is bad. Like, I can okay. say this is good, then why would you say this is bad? Like, kind of thing. Well, all right, I can do that. Um, in case you guys see me looking down, I have notes here, so please be with me. Right, so I think the first thing I want to consider is, um, like I think she already touched on what good is and what bad is the fact that um, good comes from God and God, by his standards, has defined what good is in a Christian setting. So I think that's um, established, but then you talk about the world, the fact that, of course, not everybody, they're Christians, but then in a world, how do you define what is good? How do you define what is evil? Um, I like Fumi already uh, mentioned what might be good in some places might not be good in the next place. So it, it begs the question of objectivity and subjectivity. Um, there's something I have written here is um, reasonable universality of man's, man's acceptance as to what God is. I mean, as to what good or bad is. So I spoke about subjectiveness and objectiveness. So for instance, um, think about Adolf Hitler, what Hitler did, um, killing of all of all those people. He had his own values. And according to him, obviously the fact that he could execute on all those things, they were good to him. Think about the killing of twins um, in Nigeria at some point. It was okay to kill twins in Nigeria at some point, And to them, it was good. If we think about it here right now, we know that that, that was, was bad. And, and it still begs the question, how do you then distinguish between what is good and bad? Um, I think if you want to say something is good, there has to be a moral, there has to be a compass with which you're measuring to say that thing is good. That means um, if this is bad, then there must be something you have at the back of your mind that is good. Which with, with which you are comparing what you say is bad against. And um, we speak about how that is, or how that is, um, how universal is that? Is it the same thing that applies everywhere? Um, for you to, there is something that is called, I mean, I already spoke about the objectiveness and we get that from God. Um, it's the moral laws that have been written for, for, for which, from which we benchmark um, the fact that some things, and it's not like, it's not everything that applies everywhere. What is good one in one place, not the same thing that applies in the next place. There's something that is called um, the, trans the transcending value. So if for the things that are universally accepted as good, why do people who are not from the same community, from the same society, from the same culture, how are they, how are they able to accept those things as good? Um, it begs the question as to how that objectiveness came about and we attribute that to God. Um, to determine what good is, we have to look at 
God who is the source of the moral truth, who is the source of um, good to determine what good is. So when we look at God, we see what is good. And if we see what is good, we now know that anything that's contrary to what is good is what is bad, if that makes any sense. So um, I guess that's how I'm going to answer the question. So when we look at God, we see his attributes, we see his characters, we see his characters, anything that is a deviation from that would be a rebellion. And when we look at the fall of man, you consider fall of man to be bad because it's um, rebellion against God. So you consider man of fall of man to be bad. Um, yeah, I guess I can stop at that point. <laughs> that was the question. Thank you so much, Christian. I see that my hands are hands up. I don't know if you wanted to add something to what you just said. Yeah, I just wanted to touch up on what you said. I think he has um, just like perfectly described what it means to be good as God being the more like standard. And I was just thinking about how like, um, just thinking about it, like evil is actually the absence of good. Like evil isn't something that's created. It's the absence of good. And an uh, illustration that just came to mind with this is like light and darkness. Like you don't exactly create darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. Like there is no light. That's why that place is dark. So in the same sense, like when you say something's evil, something is wrong, something is bad, it's not a thing of itself. It's rather like the absence of something. So the absence of good is what makes something evil. The absence of good being God is what makes it evil. So I just wanted to add that to um, the contrast between good and evil. Thank you so much, Dami. And please take keep your mic on mute because I want to throw the next question to you, and which is basically just this. How can, because um, I mean, throughout our conversation, I've been hearing you guys say, you know, God, God is good is, uh, I guess, if you want to understand what good is, we look at God, we look at the Bible and all of that. So, how can God be, in quote, only good, right? So what makes it possible for him to be so? And how do we know that God is perfectly good, right? So please. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, I believe God is only good because God is holy. And when you think about the word holy, holy means to be set apart. So when you say something is holy, it's completely set apart from everything. It's different from anything. Like it's in its own category of its own. That's what makes it holy. And I believe because God is holy, God is good. And just thinking of that, I found this really good piece from this book, Older Than Thou. And I just wanted to read like a piece of it that I think accurately describes how God is good. So please follow along with me. Um, it says, all of God's ways, such as his moral purity and how it sets him, and how it sets him apart from all that is perverse, untrue, lawless, and unrighteous, comes out of his being. No one told or taught God how to be good. That is simply who he is, and he cannot be any other way. As Stephen put it, God is good and as is God. And therefore, good by himself and from himself, not by participation from another. It is his very nature to be righteous, as in right, conforming to a set of standard of morality, the standard being himself. This is a book by Jackie Perry, and I think she just really... Um, explain well what it means for God to be God. God is good because he's holy. He's set apart. He's not created from anything. He is the creator. So the fact that he is the creator and he's set apart from everything that is untrue, everything that is evil, everything that is perverse, help us to know and believe that he can be only good because there's like really no other standard that you can put. There's no box you can put it in. He's wholly set apart from everything and that makes him good. In James 1.17 it tells us about how every good and perfect gift is from God and there's no shadow 
shadow of turning in him. In Genesis, as God is creating everything that is creating, he's telling us about how, okay, God created this and he said that it's good. It's good. Like he is a good God because he is holy, he is set apart, he is righteous. And because of that, everything from God is good. Everything from God is good. So there is really no other way to put it in the sense that God is as is as good as he is God. The same way that God is God, like is the supreme being, and you can't take that away from him, is the same way that all of God is good. And you can't take that good aspect and say that, okay, maybe this part of God is good. No, all of God is good. So if you say all of God is good, that means his love is good, his grace is good. But don't also forget, that means his judgment is good. That means his mercy is good. So in all that God is, God is good. And you cannot, like, you can't take any peace out. So that's what I have to say. Great response. Thank you so much, Tammy. Thank you so, so much. Um, so I guess now my question out to you is because you've also mentioned this while you were speaking, and I guess it also begs the question because you said how like you know everything good comes from God, right? And you know, so now my question to you now is this: um, Did God create the universe then, right? Because then now it's so it's a, it's kind of like a two part question. So, um, if God created the universe, then does that mean God created evil? Like, do you get what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good question. So, did God create the universe? Yes. Genesis has showed us about how God created the universe. And that's a fact for sure that cannot be disputed. Like, God did create the universe. So then you ask, okay, if God created the universe, did God create evil? Well, we can't say God create e- created evil because as we see God um, in all of creation in Genesis, it tells us that, okay, God created this and he said it was good. So everything that God created is good. So if that has been established that everything that God created is good, then you might want to ask the question that, okay, if I say God did not create evil, but God created good, but there's still evil in the world. So am I saying that God created like the possibility of evil? That can be like a question that comes up, which is like a very, very valid question. And I say in a sense, you can answer yes to that question. So God created everything that is good. And God and man include man being one of them. God created man as being good. He looked at us and said it was good. So in the creation of man, when he made us, he created us with free will. He created us with a choice. He did not just create robots that, you know, do as I say. He created us with a choice. And I think that just, again, points to how good God is. Um, He tells us, he said, let us make man in our own image. And from that statement, we can see how God wants to make man in his own image to have a relationship with him. But in doing that, he did not make it in the sense that, okay, I'm going to create this thing in the sense that this is the only thing he can do. So it's like saying that you love someone but you like imagine in this like just imagine there's this world where like it's impossible for you to hate like it's just impossible it's not an option so the only option you have to do is to love so if it's impossible for you to hate can you like really say you love i think in love in the relationship and things like that what makes it significant is the fact that there is a choice is the fact that there's free will so god created man as good and in that goodness of God he also created free will he created choice in the sense that man can decide okay I have been created by God who is good so now do I want to be like God who is good or do I not want to be like God remember like evil is is the absence of good is the absence of God so God created us in the sense that we get to choose about how okay to have a relationship with him 
believing what it says and obeying his word to the letter. And he says, okay, eat from every fruit of this tree, but like, don't eat this one. If God just created everything and there was no choice to be made, then it's just like robots. Like you can't call that love. You can't call that a relationship if there is no other choice. So God did not create evil. God created man as good. And in that goodness, he also gives man free choice in order to um, decide how they want to be. Do they want to be like God who is good or do they not want to be like God? All right, thank you so much for your um, response, Diamond, and for also kind of just um, summarizing your point. And so I guess now the next question then is, since you've um, explained how God did not create evil, and of course, in creating man, he also gave man free will and all that. So then now the question is, um, how then did evil enter the world? And I'd like to direct this question to Christian, actually. So where did evil come from? And if God is not the author of evil, then who is? How did evil, this evil, how did it come to be? So please take it away, Christian. All right, that's a good question. Thanks for asking that. Um, so God did not create evil. Where did evil come from? Um, I like to just paint, paint a picture and say, if you think about free will, um, we know that God did not superimpose his will on man and saying, you know, he created creation and made it automatic that creation loves, you know, we are subjected to his own will. There wouldn't be truth in that. So um, when you think about free will, everyone then has a choice to decide what, you know, what and how. Um, the thing that comes with free will is the fact that there would be um rebellion and with rebellion like i had mentioned before rebellion consequence or rebellion in itself is the bad that we're talking about so if god is all good and by himself he's standard he is good anything that deviates from god is bad and everything that deviates from god is evil so a consequence of the um a consequence of the uh, what's it called? A consequence of um, the free will. That's what I'm trying to remember. A consequence of free will is the fact that there would be um, a rebellion. So the fact that man chose to rebel against God, that was where evil came from. And that was where um, the fall of man also came. So from the fall of man, they became the introduction of evil um, into the world. And I guess that answers that question. Yeah. Um, thank you very much, Christian. Thank you um, so much. So, so I guess f f if I understand you correctly, so from the free will of man, there's also the consequence of evil. Right. So just to make it clear is free will in itself. Um, so if I give you an option to, um, you can either do this or do that. Take a classroom, for example, a lecturer comes in and says, oh, how many people want to do this? There'll be a group of people that'll say, I want to do this. How many people want to do this other thing? There'll be a group of people that will choose to do the other thing. So because it's an option for man, mm -hmm. because it's an option, um, there was where free, I mean, it's it's a natural cause, a natural, a natural consequence that where you have a choice to make, there will be two spectrums. So because man 
in man's own self-choose rebellion, of course, there's the influence of the devil there. Is that was where, and, and that was the fall of man, and that was where evil was introduced into creation because of that choice of man. I guess that's right. that. Thank you very much. So um, now, and I want to direct this question to Danny, because now I'm thinking if you know man is able to choose between this and that, right? And you know, God being all-knowing. So if God is all-knowing and you know is the creator of the universe and knows the beginning from the end, then I guess just refer just using um the example of Adam and Eve in, in, in the context of man being able to make a choice, right? So then wouldn't he have known that Adam and Eve would have gone against his instruction, right? And I guess another like a um following question to that is also is like actually you know i'll ask her later let's do let's deal with this right now so if god is all knowing and knows the beginning from the end and he's the creator of the universe and all of that then wouldn't it have also known that adam and eve would have gone against his instruction being that they have that free will to choose between good or evil so please take it away danny okay so um yes we agree that god is all knowing god knows everything from the beginning of the end our friends against god are that yes and why did he create um, Adam and Eve if like there was the potential to do that? And in my mind, that just points to again how good God is, because I believe God took a risk with creating humans. So it was either I think it, there are two choices here. It was either create humans that can have a relationship with you, and you know, of course, with free will, they get to choose. Or was it that that or don't create at all? I believe God loves us. God loves us so much that He chose to create us, even though like He knew that there was there is the other choice of us not choosing Him. So like God chose us even before we had the ability to deny Him or choose Him. Like He chose to love us. He chose to create us. So He created Adam and Eve with the understanding that. They had free will. He has given them these instructions. They get to choose him or not, which is unfortunate, but like God still took that risk because the same way there's a possibility of Adam and Eve falling and rebelling is the same way there's a possibility of Adam and Eve being obedient and having a relationship with God forever. So I believe God loves us that much. He took that risk with us. Like he created us in the sense that we can have a relationship with him forever with a choice, we get to choose that. So he was either doing that or not creating us at all. So I believe God loves us so much. He chose to create us. Yeah, he took he took the risk on us. So he chose to create us even with the understanding that we might not choose him. So like, that's how I, and even with all of that, I'm sure we'll get back to this later, but like God still had a plan. Like even in all of the mess, even in all of the evil, even all the rebellion, God is all knowing. So like he still had a plan of how like, he really wants this relationship with us. So if he gives us the first chance and we mess it up, like he still wants this relationship with us and he's still going to make it work out. So I believe God took the risk with us with like choosing to create us by giving us that choice because that is how much he wants us. That is how much he wants the relationship with us, which is crazy because like even David says like, who is the man that you're mindful of? Like really nothing. He just loves us because he's good and he loves us and he's good and that's who he is. So in that love, in that goodness, he chose to create us even with the risk that we might decide not to choose him. Mm. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dami. Thank you. I see Deborah ha has her hands up. Did you want to say something? 
did you want to say something? <laughs> English show. Deborah, please, you have the floor. Yes. I thought something hard that, okay, when the Bible talks about um before the patient, can you hear me now? We can hear you now. Oh, okay. Um, I, I said I just wanted to add like another answer to that question is that before the beginning of the word, like the word of God says that the plan for salvation has been made. So the reason why God will go ahead with that, knowing that there is the possibility that these people say no, is that before he even started that plan, he already had a like he already knew and had a like a what's it called a mission already so it explains that in the um result of there is a plan that's just what i'm saying uh thank you deborah and christian i see you also hand you have your hands up please go ahead yeah um i, I just we, I was just reading to your comment and someone has said the consequences of frivolous rebellion. Um, that in itself, in as isolated as that is, can be misleading. So I just wanted to quickly point out that um, if you take all of the things that have been said so far, what I had said, and then what Dami had said, and what Deborah had added, um, all together, when you put it together, that gives you a perfect answer to the question. It gives you the full context. So just saying in isolation that the consequence of frivolous rebellion may be misleading. I just wanted to point that out. Thank you so much for um, clarifying that. I guess we can just go to the second part of the question is, and I think Dami was um, the one speaking on this earlier about how, you know, God is good, right? And everything that he created is good, right? And if you want to understand good, we look at God, right? And Deborah has also mentioned this while she was speaking in reference to Genesis, right, like Genesis 1, that we see that, you know, after every creation, um, everything that God created, like after each day, he kept saying, no, and he saw that it was good, it was good, right? So then now my question is, why did he then create the tree of good and evil to begin with, right? I mean, if I see that, doesn't that also in a way prove that God created evil? Right. So please, um, Dami, if you'd like to take a step at the question. I think it goes back to the idea of God creating human with free will and with a choice, because if God had just created everything as like perfect and humans had like the, the presence of the true and evil kind of gives us a part to play in the relationship, because it's like, say this guy walks up to you or this lady walks up to you and she's like, oh, hey, like we're in a relationship now and we're in love and we're going to be Godwin, Ashta, couple girls, and that's it. Like you literally have no say in the relationship. Like he's not even asking you, will you be my girlfriend? Will you marry me? You're not even she's not even asking you like anything it's just like walking up to you like okay we're boo and b now and like hashtag couple goals like is that really a relationship it's not because 
obviously it's one person making the choice. Obviously the other person has no choice in the matter, has nothing to say about it. So I think that goes back to um, the, the tree of good and evil. God desires a relationship with us because he loves us. And it wouldn't be a true relationship of true love if we don't have a choice in the matter. That would just be creating a robot and saying, okay, I'm just creating this robot and the robot just has to just do as I say. You have no trust in the matter. So in that kind of situation, it's not a true relationship. There is no commitment. There's no choice. But with the tree of good and evil, that that's, I believe that is God bringing man into the relationship. That is God giving man a choice. That is God giving man free will about how, okay, God has already show that, okay, I desire to have a relationship with you, which is why he created us in this first place. But it's not just creating us without no choice. Now it's letting us know that, okay, I've created you because I want to have a relationship with you. Now it's up to you to decide whether you want that relationship or not. You get to choose that or not. So the presence of the tree of good and evil, I think it just points back to how God created us as free as a choice. So it's not forcing this relationship on us. It's offering it to us. Like it's it's really wild. Like the God of the universe, the supreme being, like this is God. And yeah, he still desires a relationship with us humans and it's not forcing it on us. It's giving us a choice. So I believe the presence of the tree of good and evil is just give, God giving us a choice. You know, like, are you going to obey? Do you want this relationship with him or do you not? All right. Thank you so much for your response, um, Dami. And now I guess still on the topic of um, did God create evil, this, this, that, right? Even though I know you guys already um, touched upon this, but I came across a Bible verse, which is, which is um, Isaiah 45, 7. And I want to direct this question to a Christian and I'm going to read the Bible verse, right? So it's Isaiah 45, verse 7. I'm reading in the KJV version, right? And it says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. So from reading that, that Bible verse, it appears to be saying that God, in fact, did create evil. Because it says, um, you know, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all this. And so can you just, I guess, expand on that? Like, Because I'm kind of confused now because I'm like, okay, from what we've been discussing is we're you know saying God is good and you know this this that but now it's saying there that I make peace and create evil so please take it away Christian all right thanks for me um that is one question that a lot of people have and a lot of atheists really jump on and say oh God is evil he said it himself but um from a very basic, even before going into any deeper truth about that particular scripture, I'll just say, read that same scripture from a different translation and it makes a world of difference what was being said there. So um, as it should be when we study the word, it's very important that we pay attention to the context. The context one and the other part of that is also making sure we are rightly dividing. Um, I already mentioned we, sh we should look at that from another context, um, from another translation. Um, if we look at that particular word evil from another translation, it means adversity, it means affliction, it means calamity, it means distress, it means misery, right? Um, other, I would say other translations get a better. For instance, if you check the NET, if you check the NIV, if you check the, the message translation, even the NKJV translation, 
does a better job of describing what was being said in that place. Because if you look at the ancient Hebrew text, it would be erroneous for us to interpret word for word what is being said in, um, in, in it to be erroneous to use a literal translation for that. So um, if you replace the words there, so it's, you, you basically sound something like, um, I form the light and create darkness, I make peace and create evil. Before we go to the evil part, I want us to dwell a little bit on the formula to creating darkness. So if God is light, um, like somebody had mentioned earlier, if you put on a torchlight, the fact that once the light comes on, darkness dispels, right? So, and if you remove the light, darkness forms. So it's because there is good because there is light, that's why you can have darkness. So if you apply that understanding to the scripture saying, I form light, I create darkness, it makes a difference. So where God is absent, darkness is going to exist. And that takes me to the second part of the scripture, which says, I make peace and I create, you know, evil, which I've described that it was an evil, you know, being mentioned there to to explain that part further, I had mentioned that he, he was referring to adversity, affliction, calamity, distress, the other, thank you, Ernest, that he was referring to other, um, there are other words that could have been used there other than the word evil. Um, I'll take us to the context of the scripture now. Isaiah 45, verse 7, the call of chapter 45, um, it makes it clear that something other than, um, something other than God's creation was what being spoken about. So the context of Isaiah 45 was not, oh, I am God and these are the things I can do when it comes to creation. The context there was God rewarding Israel for obedience and punishing Israel for disobedience. So essentially, um, God pours out salvation and blessings to those he favors. And then to those who do, those who rebel against him, there is judgment. Um, there's judgment for them, for those who continue to, to rebel against him. If you go down to Isaiah 45, verse 9, you understand what I'm saying there, where he says, woe to him who quarrels with his master. So essentially, he was saying there that, um, if, I, if I want to put it in very plain, simple English, it's me. He, what that passage was saying was, oh, I am God. Let me quickly go back to it. I make peace and I create problems for those who rebel against me. So it wasn't God saying, oh, I am evil. Um, I'll just stop there, like that should answer the question. Um, thank you for your response, um, Christian. I still feel like I'm not, um, oh, Deborah has her hands up. Deborah, you can go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I also, the word of God is not discordant. The word of God is, is one and the same. So if at any point we see anything that seems like it looks different from the picture we have been getting, we should do well to investigate and not just feel like, oh, this is this, then maybe the word of God is wrong or maybe this is this. Like, so we see in this, the, the scripture is very, very um, um specific about God being good. And so when we see a text like this, we should not just feel like, oh, maybe God is not good after all. We should stick to investigate, okay, am I getting the context right? Am I getting um, the message right? Is there something that I'm not getting? And then also, I also wanted to add that in the Old Testament generally, there was a 
poor understanding, if I if, if I permit me to use that word, of the devil. And so everything that happened, they always ascribed it to God, whether it was good, whether it was evil, whether it was evil. But in the New Testament, we see that there is like a more as it were, robust theology on the devil and how that is responsible for the evil that um, previously they accounted to God. So I think that it's also important that we consider that. And not just on this, we are getting like two different ideas from the word of God. We can always spend time and be students of the word of God, like the word of God. The word of God is given to reprove. The word of God is not, um, it, it's a double-edged sword. It is not two different things. Do you get? Thank you so much, Deborah. Christian, I see your hands have a beginning. Did you want to just add more to what you said before? Yeah, I just wanted to quickly say that if you talk, if we are saying God is evil, I think he has proven time and time again that he, he is loving, he is just. And even looking at the fact that he sent his own son to come and die the provision of salvation before, from the beginning of time, that shows that the God is good. I mean, how petty do we think God would be to create um to create that kind of plan and then steal the evil and, you know, let evil, you know, thrive. But yeah, I just wanted to point out that in salvation plan, he has shown that he is good. He is a loving God. Okay. Um, thank you so much, Christian. So we have like three more questions left. So I want to make sure that we're able to address them. So I'm going to try to move a bit fast. And I guess this is just um, in regards to um, Christian as well too. I'm going to throw this question to you. So if, God is um all powerful, right? From our understanding that, like you know, God created the universe; He did this and that, right? So if He's all powerful, why can't He stop evil, right? Why does it let that happen, right? And I guess to kind of like make this like a double um a two um two parts in one, or is that the word? I don't know. A two part question. So the other part, which um. Christian or Deborah as well, we can also address would just be why do bad things happen to good people, right? So yeah, please take it away, Christian. And then um Deborah as well to once Christian is done is done speaking, you can also take a step by the question. But yeah, go ahead, please. Okay. Um in answering that question, there's something that I would like to take us to the attributes of God, examine who or his nature. And I would say that. The nature of God is mercy. Um, nature of God is mercy. But then when I say mercy, I'm talking about um, the fact that he, when bad things happen, we are looking at the people that do these bad things, that make these bad things to happen. And I'm talking about it from a perspective, perspective of people doing bad things to other people, not um, a general perspective of, okay, some disaster disaster happened and it wiped out a whole country or whatever. Um, that we can attribute to the fall of man because when man fell, um, the consequences of that was nature in itself. It's it's all interconnected. So it is the fall of man, the fall, wow, the fall of man. <laughs> so it is the fall of man that led, um, that leads to other things. Um, it's like a ripple effect. Let me just I'm stop at that point so I'm not taking too much of time on that. Um, so going back to what I was saying initially was um, mercy of God. So the reason why 
these people that do bad things, God, you know, does not, you know, wipe them away in a stretch. Is and we see that from I think it's um, Romans chapter two, Romans chapter two, where he he, he he where the Bible says that he is giving time to these people to change their hearts. It's the nature of God. It is the nature of God is mercy. Um, but then you, the question you that comes from that is okay if God is having mercy on these people what about these other people that are being affected by the things that these bad people are doing um God has God addresses that in few ways first is he has guaranteed us protection um he has guaranteed we the believers he has guaranteed us protection the second part of that is um the fact that when bad things happen to, when bad things happen sometimes it's to the fact that God is working out something within people. Um, if you read, read Romans chapter 5 from verse 2 to 4, um, it says, it, it, it says, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation will get our patience. Um, so it could be God working out something in the believer. And another part of that is, um, and that guarantee that we have there for those people is um, the fact that Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for the good, for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Um, so, like I mentioned before in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it, it is God giving time to bad people to change its nature of God, um, mercy. And I also want to point out that indeed there would be no evil that would go unpunished. Um, we see in Romans chapter 5, from verse 5 to 11, um, that no evil will indeed go unpunished. So I guess that answers the first part of the question, and I'll let Deborah answer the remaining part. Hi, before we go, I think Dami has her. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to touch upon what Christian was saying. And then the mini Cypress raised hands, it's 50 for my head, but just give me a minute. Um, okay, so we started from. Okay, yes, why doesn't God stop? Devil is a bastard. Sometimes you want to say something and it's still coming in, but it's alive. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, <laughs> we were talking about how why God um doesn't just stop evil. And I just wanted to, like, in addition to what Christian has said about how God is good and he's able to work everything out for good, I want us to be reminded and be hopeful of the fact that like God will stop evil. Like that's the ultimate end to the story. So the fact that we're here right now, like the story is not over. Like we know that, okay, this world isn't all that there is. We know that there is like afterlife and all of that with God. So like the story isn't over yet. The ultimate plan is that God is going to stop evil. And I think that just gives so much hope and so much relief knowing that like just get the world. It's not all that there is to it. Like there is more to come. God is going to stop the evil. And that just gives us hope and assurance that even in those times of evil, like God sees the bigger picture. God is able to work everything out for good. And in the end, like evil will be stopped. In Revelations, it talks about how like God is going to create a new Jerusalem, a new heaven and a new earth, and there'll be no sorrow, no evil. So I think it's very, very reassuring and hopeful to always remember that this is not the end. So always remember that God is going to stop evil. And then the fact that God is going to stop evil, I think, at least to me, that brings up another question about how, like, why can't you just do it now? Like, why can't you just stop it now? And the passage that uh, answers that question for me is somewhere in Peter. And after I finish speaking, I'm going to look it up. That way I can put it in the chat. But I think Christian already talked about it, too. It's about how God is patient, you know, not wanting anyone to come to condemnation. So God is patient with everybody. So the fact that we're still here is because God is patient with us. God 
the, the so-called the very very evil people right god loves them as much as he loves you and i feel like sometimes that just humbles me and stops me in my track i'm like okay you know that person that you might not like or that person that is so evil that's so crazy whatever like god loves that person as much as he loves me and i think that just gives us a better perspective of how and why this world is still existing it's because god is patient and it want to come to condemnation so in the end yes it's going to stop evil but even before it does that he's very patient with us i knew ernest is gonna come too but yeah do not forget this one thing dear friends with the lord your day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day the lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some of you understand slowness he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but that everyone comes to repentance so like god is going to end evil and the reason why we're still here is because God is very patient and doesn't want anyone to come to repentance. So I just think that just gives so much hope knowing that there is a happy ending with God. Thank you so much, Dami. Somebody say this is not the end. This is not the end. There is hope. There is hope. Deborah, please take it away. So just to read the question. So just why do bad things happen to good people? Please. Take it away. <laughs> okay. Um, I really, really appreciate the perspective that you've brought. And so I want to even start by challenging our definition of good people. So when we say good people, like the way I understand that we have spoken about it is that we are talking about um people that from our own perspective, we feel like according to the moral law that God gives us and like is everybody's judge of good and evil, they do good. But like the truth is that we really cannot say that someone is good just by the actions that we see them do. Because like it is God that is the judge of whether a person is good. There are a lot of nice people that are maybe, um, um, what's it called, that can be higher assassins, for example. Like they're just, like there are people that, People can do good and appear good to you and not be good. Like, and like the totality, a person, a, a person can like maybe to um give someone money now, maybe give um a beggar money, and then to the beggar, the man is a good man, not knowing that that person just killed someone. Do you understand? So I think that again, going back to our definition of good and evil, the person that is good, um, I just remember this part where um someone called Jesus the good teacher, and then he said, No one is good except from God. So and understanding that man is falling, so no man is good on his own. Any man that is good is one that has received the salvation of God and the goodness of God. So when we when we say that why does bad things happen to good people, we need to understand. We need to have a good um, a a a, um, a God mindset towards good. What God defines as good is the person that is righteous in Him. So when we are talking about good people in that sense, that means that I, w- I would like to like reinterpret the question to mean why does good things why does bad things happen to believer? And I want to answer that before I go back to the question that we're asking. So to the believer, um, I just remembered this verse and it really got me excited. Romans chapter eight verse twenty eight. It says that um for all things work out for good for those who are in Christ and um, God, I'm paraphrasing now, but all things work together for good for those who are in Christ. So as a believer who is good, not because of what I have necessarily done, but because of the fact that I have my faith in Christ, no matter the bad thing that happens to me, it will still work together for my good. So really like bad things can happen, yes, but they would end up being for my good. So I don't lose in the end. Do you understand? Like, because I have, received Christ, I am now good, not because, not just because of my efforts, 
And so now I have the promise of God's words that says that all things work together for good for those who are called by his name. So even the bad things can work together for my good. And then there's also the part of God has given us authority over the devil. So there are some, there are some things that we can take authority over. And so there are some evil things that don't have, have to happen to us as believers because we know who we are in Christ and then we take authority over the devil. And then that get me back to the to the um to um the um question again that says again we are talking about why does bad things happen to good people? The the simple answer is that the world is falling. So bad things does not necessarily just happen to good people. Bad things happen to people on the earth because the the earth is falling and the earth is suffering from the consequences of sin. And then the consequences of sin is death. And that like we said in the beginning, evil is associated with death. So it is only normal that a world that is suffering from consequence of sin experiences death. So the it does not like necessarily evil in like a more broader sense does not cherry pick. Like it happens because we are in a falling one, and that is why we, as believers again we can hold on to the hope of that this is not the end. This world would be redeemed. There would be a new heaven and a new earth, a earth that will not have to um will not have to experience evil because of the consequences of before. And then Satan himself, that is the source of evil too, will also be put into the um, in, um into the, in the lake of fire. So in the end, like and again, another thing like um Damian said, Damian mentioned that um, it is it is because God is good and is um, waiting for the repentance of people. That is why we are experiencing evil. So this evil, as believers, as people that have been made good by believing Christ, we, we should not have a, a short-term perspective of evil. Like, the, the Bible says that um, the suffering of this in us, so, like, evil like evil is very very time limited very limited like even that evil it worked together for your good but it's it's like it's very very limited and so it's just a matter of time when jesus comes the, the story changes so the the and and then i think that our, our response to that it should rather um motivate us or be um a motivating factor for evangelism the reason evil is still happening is because god is still giving chance to people to repent so what do i do I join him in making sure that through me, people get to know about the gospel so that they repent. And so that this, this phase, this space of free will, where we still get to experience evil, we get over with it and then we go into joy forevermore. Do you understand? Yes, yes, and yes. Oh, Chai, Deborah, that was... Hello, can you hear me? Flames, 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 flames. Yes, I can hear you. I can hear you very, very well. That was great. Thank you so much. Um, someone um um what, what you said earlier in the chat, and it says here, when Jesus comes, the story changes. Somebody shout glory! Glory, glory. That's facts. Ah, okay. So hmm. that's our final question for the day because time goes for no man. <laughs> and um earlier, Christian had actually mentioned about how um no evil will go unpunished, right? So I guess now it brings us to the question of how does God discipline, right? Does God discipline people with evil? Because there are people that do believe that, oh, it's because I did this and that, that is why this is happening to me. God is punishing me because of this. God is trying to catch my attention because of this. So this is why this is happening. So Again, just to repeat the question, how does God discipline? 
And does God discipline people with evil? Does it make bad things happen to them just so they can listen to him? This and that. So please take it away. And this is also open to other panelists as well. So if you'd like to contribute anything, um, let me know as well too. And just raise up your hand for the panelists. But yeah, please take it away, Christian. All right. Thank you. Thanks for asking that. Um, I, would, I would like to draw attention to parental discipline. So you think about parents, think about um, growing up, how your mom and your dad must have spanked you for one thing or the other. And at that, at that point, you probably think they dislike you, they hate you or whatever. Um, think about, I mean, the Bible says, do not spread your word and spoil the child. Um, think about uh, vaccinations. So um, a, a mother takes a, a child to the hospital to get vaccinated. In the sight of the child, is like, why are you being so mean? Why are you being so wicked? But then the mom who sees the bigger picture knows that this is necessary. Like, the person has to go through with that. Um, so if you take those analogies and apply it here, we can't, we already established from the conversations we've had so far that God is not evil. We can't find evil in God. But to the extent that God allows some certain kind of things to happen to believers for some certain kind of outcomes, yes, that can happen. Call those trials, call them, you know, tribulations, but you don't call them because they are not evil um, in the sense that God is in those moments and he is able to, he's in those moments and the Bible has made it clear that we would never go through anything we cannot, that we are not able to overcome. Um, right, even with regards to temptation in itself. So um, putting all of this together is we already established God is good and we know that um, the way, the lenses from which people might see things, we see things in terms of um, what happens around us might not be or there is usually a bigger picture in the fact that um, God has plans for we, we already mentioned as well that the plans for us are of good and not of evil to bring us to unexpected end. So the things that might happen, um, even if you look at the story of Joseph, Joseph had to go through the things that he went through because there was a greater cause for which he um, had been appointed. So going through that, all that process, it could have easily been, oh, why am I going through this? Like all of all that story, but at the end of the day, um, he could by himself even say that he went through what he went through, that what these people meant for evil, God had turned around for my good. Um, to, round, to wrap all of this up, I just want to bring us to Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 4, um, and what I want emphasis to be laid on, verse 10 to 11, and says, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our own good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So that just lets us, gives us the perspective that, yeah, indeed, God, God does discipline. How he disciplines, we know that he will never let us go through what it is that we cannot bear. And even in bearing those things, he's working out something from within us. Um, that is my answer to the question. Thank you very much, Christian. I don't know if any of the um, the panelists would like to just maybe add one or two things before we um, close it for the day. So Deborah, I see you have your hands up, please. 
Take it away. Oh, okay. I just wanted to add something. So um, I think the, the last Bible verse that um, um, NS posted had something about painful. So I just wanted to point out that evil does not equal painful things. There are painful processes that lead to life. So our definition of, of, evil, of evil is not what is painful. Our definition of evil is what leads to death. And so whatever God does, we can trust that it would lead to life. And so it is not evil. So we should not have a limited perspective of evil because whatever leads to life is good. And we can trust that if God is working this and it's going to lead to life, it's going to lead to um, me being more like him. It might be painful, but it does not mean that it is evil. Pain is not equal to evil. There is pain. The, um, there is this popular um, quote that there is no pain, I mean, no pain, no gain. So, like, pain does not always equal evil. So, I think that that's another important thing to note. To note. Yes, that's actually very important. Thank you. And Damien, please take it away. Yeah, I think this goes back to how, um, as Deborah said, we need to have the right understanding of what exactly evil means. So if we agree that God is good, then like the absence of God is evil. So there are certain things that we might ascribe as evil being from God, where in a sense, it's evil because like God is not in it. So say, for example, like someone just has just has it really tough with life and there's just so many bad things so many evil things happening to them like so we can't say that oh okay god is letting all these evil things happen to them so like they can come to like god is like making the evil thing happen to them but no like maybe the evil things are happening because they don't have god so like it's like the thing of like correlation does not equal causation so like god is not like causing the evil like the evil happening is the absence of God because God is not in it. So like the room is dark because there is no light in it. You're not saying that, okay, it's the light that's creating darkness. So if like God is not in it, if there's no God, then there's evil. So it just goes back to how we have to un un understand um, the right definition of evil, which I think Deborah has done like a perfect job of explaining how like evil is what leads to death. So that it's painful doesn't mean it's evil. And so because we understand what, evil truly means then we can't say that god um creates evil or god uses evil like god calls us his children and wants to have a relationship with us with the amount of love that he has shown us in his son like could we possibly phantom that there could be a part of him that delights in evil or like wants to you can't make your child go through evil it's just it's just not the nature of God. God is love and it's that's who he is. So there is no shadow of turning in him. Every gift from him is good and perfect. Like, and every gift of God is without repentance. So over and over again, the Bible has just showed us how God is good. And because he's good, there is no even him. So how much more we as Christians, how much more we as believers. So like God is not going to like give us evil. Discipline, yes, but that doesn't mean evil. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Dami. Christian, did you have a final word to say? Yeah, I just wanted to um I just wanted to bring an example. So if we look at um even Jesus himself dying on the cross, and this is in line with what Deborah Dami had said was even Jesus Jesus dying on the cross um from a very where there is no understanding when you look at it and people I've heard people say what kind of a God or what kind of a father would allow his own son to die and you were there watching him die, you know, 
but at the end of the day there is a there's the grander view there is something bigger so in the end in the end that was not evil because the resulting consequence is what we have here is we are believers and we're able to gather here so there was that that in itself was good so it's also that's just drawing some perspective to the picture when we think about pain and evil thank you so we are now past time so deborah whatever you want to say please try to make it as um (laughs) as you can so we can take the question from the audience oh okay i also wanted to point out that there are okay when i said that evil does not equal pain but then i also just wanted to bring a balance to it by saying that there are also some pain that are caused by the devil and so as believers we should be discerning to know when to ask the devil when to use our authority in christ against the devil not just because oh deborah said that um evil is not abi um, pain is not always evil so any pain is for my good that kind of thing i think there is that needed balance of there are some pain that is brought by the devil and then you need to use your authority in christ you need to understand and that's why discernment as children of god is very important so i just wanted to bring that balance so that we don't leave here feeling like oh it's painful it's for my good so whatever it is you can understand Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Deborah, for bringing in that balance because it's very important. And I urge everyone that's listening right now to, you know, take the time again. Like once we post, like we're going to um, um, post this on our podcast. So give it a listen again and just really like soak it in, right? And, you know, renew your mind because, I mean, there are so many things that we've learned about or been taught and like, just growing up that kind of like they've kind of be some sort of like strong old if I were to say right so yeah and now we're going to take the questions from the audience thank you every so everyone so much thank you to our panelists for you know just joining us today and spending your time with us and for your amazing responses as well too so yeah and Ernest please questions from all right so um man this was an amazing time it's very amazing and I noticed something that was happening uh, a lot of people had their hands up in the audience, so they wanted to contribute. But what happened was that you guys were already answering the questions they were trying to say, so they put their hands down. So this panel was just amazing. I do want to point out two questions that kind of kept repeating, and if you can talk on them, that would be beautiful, just in like three minutes because we're already out of time. So there was a recurring question about hell. Like hell is so, is such a bad place. Why would God create a place like that and humans have to go there if they disobey him isn't that harsh that's the first question so just hold that the second one is more like a contribution stroke question so i'll read it she says i recognize that god does not do evil and evil does not come from him although i interpret the happenings in noah's time and in sodom and gomorrah as god's merciful act of justice to the people in that time Although sometimes it makes the line between his chastisement and his inability to do evil blurry. So there is really no question there, but she's making a point that she seems, it seems like God's justice against evil sometimes is very hard. It's hard to draw the line between that and maybe just him chastising those who do wrong. I think you already addressed it um, in the last few statements you made, but if you want to add to that, so those are the two things. Uh, hell big problem for a lot of people and the other aspect of 
chastisement versus calamity? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let me just try to take a stab at this one. So um, if we've established and agreed that God is good, that means in that sense, we understand that God is fair, that God is just. I think a lot of times as humans, we like to look at the the parts of God that suits us, the one that is, you know, sweet in our belly, the one that makes us feel good. Like God is loving, yes. God is a good father, yes. And sometimes we want to shy away from the fact that he's good. That means he's just. That means he's fair. That means he's righteous. So God's judgment, as harsh as it might, as it might seem to us, is good because he's good and that's who he is. So in the fall of man, and there was like obviously separation from God and God created a provision for that in Christ Jesus. So if if you think about it, well, like without Jesus and not accepting Jesus, everyone is destined for hell. Everyone is destined for separation from God because that's what happened um, at the fall with Adam. And God in his goodness created Jesus, a provision for us. So God, like creating Jesus is for us to accept, right? And I have this relationship with him. So now accepting Jesus is deciding to remain in a state of condemnation. Not accepting Jesus is deciding to remain in a state of separation from God, which leads to hell. So I think even in all of that and hell existing, it just points to the fact that like God is good. And because he's good, that means he's just. Because he's good, that means he's fair. He's not gonna, he's not gonna change who he is. It's not going to change who it is. So if he has said that, okay, the fall created a separation from me, but he has created a provision in Christ Jesus, it's left to us to either accept that or we don't. If you accept that, great, you're back in a relationship with him. But if you don't, that is choosing to remain condemned. That is choosing to remain in a state of separation, which is where hell comes in. So I think all of those points, that all of that points to the fact that as much as we might try to shy away from it, God is just, and that's who he is. The same way you cannot take out goodness from God, it's the same way you cannot take out his justice from him. It's who he is. Awesome. Anyone wants to respond to the second question? The line between punishment and actual destruction and annihilation of people. Zihad, <laughs> it's hard. Abby. Can you please repeat the question? Okay, so like I said, it wasn't really a question. It was just a comment as to God's wrath being poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah and you know Noah, the flood, all those heavy things that happened and how you can draw the line between that being a version of God's justice and how it's also, in a sense, a, an act of mercy for people who existed at the time as well or maybe it's more of a comment so the idea that oh it may look like god is destroying sodom and gomorrah and it's like wow god is doing so much evil but in the real sense he's protecting all of creation from the depravity that these guys would cause in ending the human race if they were let to keep going that way it's kind of like removing it's like a surgical operation to remove you know a cancerous cell or cancer whatever just to save the life of the the person, kind of like that imagery. I think it points back to what Deborah said about how like good leads to life and evil leads to death. So whenever we're starting to question, okay, is this God being 
it's just God chastising us. This God's just been like just killing everybody. Like I think it's helpful to think about the end result of that. So what does it lead to? Like Anna said, is it an act of mercy? You got saving it. Like what is the end goal? If the end goal is life, then obviously that's God like being just. That's God being merciful. That's God chastising. That's God discipline. But if it's not, if the end goal is death, then that's not who God is. So if God is going to do anything of that nature that seems so evil and harsh to us, it's because because there's a bigger picture leading to life. If God is going to let his son die a painful, horrible death on the cross, it's because there's a bigger picture that leads to life for us. So like there's, with God, no matter how bad it may seem to us, it's because there's a greater good. It's because he has a plan. He oversees everything and he's going to make it work out. All right, we're already out of time at this point, so we can't really take any of that comments. Um, but thank you so much, man. This was amazing. Fumi, thank you for being an amazing panel leader. Thank you, Christian. Christian is our guest, and we'd love to have you here more often, right? Your family. Thank you so much for being here with us, Christian. Um, Dami, excellent presentation. I was just smiling all through. And then Deborah, thank you so much, too. Man, you, are loaded. you people are theologians. You are loaded. I'm serious, and I'm just so proud, so proud. All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time. Thank you for the learning. Thank you because we have hope. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We have hope that this is not the end. This is just a small part of what eternity has for us. And we thank you because we are in you. We are in Christ, secure, saved, anchored. And we will be raised to life on the last day. Thank you, Jesus, because we know that everything works together for our good. And we thank you for the panelists and everyone who officiated today's meeting. Lord, they grow in strength and grace in your wisdom. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hey there. So we've come to the end of this teaching session and we hope it was for you a teaching and an enlightening moment. We have so many other topics on our podcast that range from spiritual gifts to charisma to interpreting the Bible world and so many others. If you'd like to listen to any one of them, just look through our podcast catalog and find the topic that you'd love to learn. If you'd like to join us Sunday live on MixLR or on Zoom, all you need to do is go to our website, which is bit.ly forward slash bmglive4. That's the number four. Or you can look in the description and you will find the link to the website there. We hope you have a blessed week and continue to grow and progress with joy in your faith.